And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. So today, dear listeners and friends, I am very, very excited by our guest. And that is because our, our guest is local to Kansas City. I have been watching her career with great interest and have, have had the opportunity to hear her pitch a couple of times, learn more about what she's doing. But she's doing some really incredible work related to education. So we have with us today Jill Bertelson, who is co-founder of Crib Coaching and Bertelson Education. Recent move to Kansas City. Awesome female founder. Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Me, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, so, so let's go ahead and hop right into it because I want to maximize our time together. So I'm just going to ask you, tell us, tell us your journey. Tell us your story. Uh, uh, really began my first son when he was born. Uh, he was a horrible sleeper. I mean, would wake up every 45 minutes and I was in my undergrad and I, you know, it affected my school, my sleep, my relationship with my husband, you know, everything. And so we really struggled with our transition to parenthood. Um, You know, all the things that I felt I should be doing or he should be sleeping, especially uh, studying marriage and family. I felt like I should know how to do these things, you know? What's the thing though? Is it like I should it all over myself? Yeah. Like that. And you're basically saying, don't shit on yourself. Be kind. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't do that. But, but continue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So after that experience and really it was after I realized that I had postpartum depression and started getting help with that, I gained this passion for helping other parents in their transition to parenthood. So, you know, I graduated, became a family educator, became a child sleep coach, a gentle sleep coach, and started helping families help their kids sleep through the night, take better naps, uh, really their transition to parenthood. And as I started teaching classes in the community, I had a daycare, a child care center provider contact me and ask if I would teach my classes for continuing education for daycares. And... Um, I had no idea that daycares even needed continuing education. And so I learned that every year, every daycare provider needs to get X amount of hours to renew their license. Um, And so I started teaching those classes. And then I, my husband and I began Bertelson Education, which does continuing education for childcare providers. We hired over 25 instructors to create online classes, you know, varies, you know, potty training, sleep coaching, uh, engagement with families. And we were internationally accredited in 2020 and are now in 38 states. 
And what we really, what kind of sets us apart in Bertelsen education is that when a center, a childcare center has our continuing education platform, their parents get our parenting courses for free, allowing childcare providers and parents to learn the same things from the same platform, really creating that consistency of care. So, yeah. So, so, you know, you have daycare providers who are with your children mm-hmm. throughout the day and they're teaching very consistent methodology, but then a lot of parents, you know, when you go home, if you don't have that kind of cohesion or that communication and that shared learning, you're going to have kids that are receiving conflicting messages and conflicting yeah. training and education. So being able to create this, this, touch point for parents and daycare providers, that's got to be so crucial to a child's development to see that consistency and to see that messaging carry through um, so that the teaching and the education is just underscored. That is awesome, Jill. That is absolutely awesome. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. I mean, we, like I mentioned, it was during our transition to parenthood that kind of this came about and it's been, you know, now that Bertelson education is a little bit, a little bit more sustaining it's doing it's kind of you know running itself a little bit more than at the beginning Um, we've been able to put more effort back into the parents so that's crib coaching is the parenting side gotcha and really working on how to make that more engaging how to you know because parents don't take a potty training class until they've done three loads of laundry that day they don't take a sleep coaching class until they've been sleep deprived for three weeks, you know? <laughs> and so right. um, trying to make that more interactive through games and different aspects like that. Yeah. Well, so, so let me ask you this and I, I, I am going to put you in a little bit of the hot seat, but I hope you'll forgive me because I, I, I don't mean it in a, uh, in a bad way, but you know, talk to us about being a perfect parent. Cause I imagine that I, I'm not a parent myself, but I, I have a lot of close friends and family who, of course, are. And I, mm-hmm. I, I love kids. I love watching um, their journeys. And, and, and I would imagine, do you feel pressure to be a perfect parent since you are offering coaching and training in basically like you're, you're an expert in, in parenting and, in ch- you know, teaching a child? Do you feel pressure? <laughs> I joke with my husband. Um, we were just flying last week back to visit my family in Idaho. And while we were on the plane, cause I have a four and a two year old, um, you know, we're like shoving gummy bears and like trying to keep everybody quiet. So we don't like annoy everybody. And I joke with my husband. I was like, we don't tell people we're in the parenting business when we're flying because then people are like, are you sure your kids don't seem very well behaved? <laughs> you know, yeah. well, I mean, flying is flying is stressful for an adult. Yeah. And imagine like being a two year old and not understanding, like, why are my ears popping? Yeah. Why can't I get up? Why can I only play with these three Legos and not all my toys at home? You know? I mean, it's, it's gotta be super tough. I don't really know many kids who are well behaved flyers. Um, so I don't think you're going to catch any judgment from any parent. Um, but that being said, like, I just, I, I'm always curious because whenever you see like experts in an area, I, mm-hmm. I, I always kind of want to ask the question, like, do you feel pressure to be perfect? Because I don't think anybody is perfect. So don't do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember when my son was about four months old, before I realized that I had postpartum depression and got help with it, I was sitting in the living room 
And, you know, I was like a a semester away from finishing my degree in marriage and family. And I remember just staring at him, feeling so disconnected and thinking, what's wrong with me? Where's that motherly intuition that people told me I should have? Right. And if I'm feeling that way, as someone who did have educational background in it, plenty of other parents have that pressure from social media and from other experts and what their sisters are doing or what their mom did or what their FedEx person does, you know, whatever it is. Uh, There's definitely a lot of social pressure, no matter what kind of educational background you have. Sure. Well, I, I I love that you have taken what is a monumentally difficult experience because postpartum depression that is it's it's no joke. Um, and, and and one of the things I think, I well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but being on the outside looking in, like I've seen time and time again, where parents, in particular mothers, you feel such pressure to be to be that perfect parent to have that overwhelming love and that overwhelming care and so anytime you uh, an individual deviates from that it becomes that much harder to ask for help right mm-hmm. because you have this expectation on you that motherhood looks a certain way and feels a certain way and when you fall short on that i i just know so many individuals who they feel like they've failed when yeah. they don't experience motherhood in exactly the way that they're quote unquote supposed to. And it's, again, it's that shooting on yourself, like mm-hmm. telling yourself, this is what I should be feeling and doing, but there is a discrepancy between actuality. And so number one, I commend you for getting help, for for reaching out and recognizing that that you needed assistance to get to where you needed to be. And I would encourage any of our listeners at home, if you are struggling or if you know someone who is struggling with this, please reach out, you know, find a a therapist, talk to your loved ones, get that support that you need because it's so crucial. So I did want to take a moment to honor that part of your journey. You did something really hard. Um, and, and I just, I applaud you for that. And I know that our, our listeners at home are doing the same. So thank you for modeling that for us. Um, but number two, second part of that question, um, <laughs> well, that wasn't even really a question. That was just kind of an acknowledgement <laughs> of how awesome you are. Oh. Um, <laughs> but t- can you tell us a little bit about what that journey looked like as you were juggling so many things? new motherhood, uh, a burgeoning business being born, you know, mental health, like probably depression and anxiety and frustration as a result of that. Can you talk to us a little bit about that experience? I'm, I'm kind of asking you to lay yourself bare. So you can, <laughs> you can tell me to shut up. And no. I will. <laughs> no, I'm glad you're asking this question because it's such a big um, part of me. And I know that a lot of people, one in three women have postpartum depression after yeah. they have a child. And And what a lot of people don't realize is one out of three spouses, husbands, or partners, like the male side of it, um, also have postpartum depression. So one out of three women and then one out of three of their partners have it as well. So it's very common. Um, You know, while I was doing therapy, I was talking to my therapist and um, starting this business, I was a sleep coach at the time. Um she helped me realize why I was feeling what I refer to as mom guilt. You know, I was like, well, I want to work, but I also want to be home with my kids. And I grew up 
with a stay at home mom. And so I felt like that's what I, you know, was meant to do. But then I also had this desire to start and run a business. And she helped me identify what my values were, you know, recognizing that I really believed in the family unit. And professionally, I wanted to build families, but then personally, I also wanted to help families. And um, recognizing like that I was fulfilling my values either way was really like a aha moment for me to recognize that I could be a mom and a business owner and help other people at the same time, you know, that those didn't have to be separate. Yeah. I, I love that. I, one of the things that I talk about often um, in my work with, with women, um, and, and I'm not saying that this is specific to women. I'm just saying yeah. that, that happens to be the lens through which I view it. Um, you know, when, when I talk to people, there's this expectation, can you or can you not have it all? Can you, you know, we, we often get asked the question, how do you balance your work life, you know, the situation or what, how, who's going to be watching the kids when you're doing this, that, or the other thing. And, and so there's this burden of, of expectation again, around what motherhood looks like, you know, that, that kind of paradigm of, you know, the stay at home mom and, 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 when, again, when you deviate from that, like, I feel like there's a struggle. And I mean, stay at home moms, don't get me wrong, all the love to them in the world. Yeah. Um, they also have their own burdens and struggles. Like it's just, it's not, <laughs> it's not easy anywhere. Parenthood is not easy, but I love that you have found a way to make your values and make your beliefs about who you are and what you're capable of that you have allowed them to find a, an appropriate place and to make them align with the person that you want to be. Um, and I think that that's really hard and that actually it speaks to, you know, what this episode is supposed to be all about, but talk to us. I'm just going to hop right into it. I didn't actually intend to do this right now, but I'm going to, because it's a beautiful segue. Um, but talk to us about what that looked like, you know, that that's a process when you, when you talk about value alignment and when you talk about integrity, which for me, integrity means walking in your choices. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I often say when you walk the talk, um, so how did you, you, you talked a little bit, you kind of touched on, but I want to dive a little bit deeper in how you determined that, these are the values that I want to live by, but then what were the actions that you took to implement those things? That's a two-part question. And it's a very yeah. deep question. <laughs> <laughs> Man, all the deep questions. Um, I know we just hopped right into it. Like, <laughs> you, you just did it. So you, you allowed me to segue so beautifully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so my husband's name is Justin. When, when Justin and I were starting this business, we first kind of sat down and wrote down, what is it? what is a central belief that we have? And really we both believe that families, whether, you know, and I use families as the word because, you know, whether that's a mom and a dad, a mom by herself, a dad by himself, you know, two moms, two dads, whatever it is, the family is the central block, central unit to society. Um, there's so there's so much research out there about how, strengthening 
families lessens crime and increased test scores and improves the workforce. If you want to do those things, you strengthen families. And so once we identified what our basic belief is, it was then simpler to create a company culture or core values, um, recognizing that, you know, one of our core values is collaboration of community. So allowing childcare and parents to work together. Um, another core value is innovation. You know, we believe that um, the way parenting education was given in the past, you know, a lecture or a book, people still use those, but that more and more millennial parents want something on their phone that's quick, that's funny, that's engaging. You know, they right. follow people on YouTube because they're funny, you know? So innovation. And then the last one is through education. I really feel um, one of our core values is education, being able to uplift through education. And so kind of answer that question, recap it is we found out what our basic belief was and then chose three values underneath that so that we could easily articulate that to the people that we hired, the people that we came in contact with. That's amazing. And, and I, I want to point out, you know, you, you found your, your, I guess, your foundational ethic, you found the values that attached to it, but you, you also took it a step further. And this is something that we, we do really consciously at Innovator as well, where I, as founder, and you and Justin as founders, um, I, I, I have a rule. We don't get to say that we hold something as a value unless we have an action that's attached to it. And you, mm-hmm. you, you talked about how you did that, you know, so innovation is the value that you hold to be the belief that you hold, but then, you know, you're going to find new ways to deliver content. So you're going to have the, the app on the phone and the engaging delivery. And so like, for instance, innovation or with innovate her, one of our core values is um, I- I- inclusion. Right. And so we offer very intentionally offer programming and we make sure that inclusivity is shown through our marketing. And every single time I make a decision, I'm viewing it through that lens because that's the value that we hold. But it's also attached to things that we do in order to to promote and to live that value. Um, And so so you didn't explicitly say that. Yeah. Clearly, very clearly did that. Well, yeah. Yeah. A question for you. Do you feel like you had an official time, I guess, where you wrote down core values or do you feel like it kind of evolved, I guess? So, so in the very early days, that's a, that's such a great question. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm going to turn it around on you. Uh, but, you know, in the very early days of Innovator, Innovator was just a, it was kind of a networking group and it has mm-hmm. since grown to become so much more. And so in the very early days, no, there wasn't really a lot of intentional thought around yeah. our values. But then once we, we started to grow remarkably quickly yeah, and yeah. when that happened, I, I, I kind of had to, I had a, a, an epiphany moment where I was like, oh shit, I'm going to actually have to do something <laughs> about this and with this beyond what's already being done because the response, mm-hmm. there's a need here. And so when I was thinking of ways like what, what needs, what gaps exist within the community, mm-hmm. you know, there, there were several that I came up with low barrier to entry and inclusion though, those are our top two. And every single choice that I make as a leader, every single choice that my team makes is, is designed with those in mind. And so I, I did sit down over the course of several days and I just kind of 
brainstormed and whiteboarded and wrote stuff out. And I was like, okay, if we model this, this value, what does that attached behavior look like? And what kind of programming can we offer that aligns with that? And what kind of practices can we implement within our organization that, that carry that through? Um, so, so the answer to your question is, both no and yes yeah. <laughs> on where you're looking at our timeline. Uh, so, so, you know, you, you and Justin, you said, you said earlier, you like, you sat down and you very, very intentionally thought about what your lived values would look like. And I love the fact, I think that particularly when you have a co-founder situation, making sure that you're on the same page and that you have that shared vernacular and that you have that shared, you know, value system, is crucially important. So when you were having those kinds of conversations and deciding um, how you wanted to to live your truth is is the phrase I'm going to use. I don't know uh, how accurate <laughs> it is. But when you were deciding on that, um, did you play off of each other? Did you did you each come to the table with your own ideas and then just kind of you know okay you do three and I'll do three? Like what did that process <laughs> look like? Yeah. Um... Well, kind of going back to how the business began, it, it was more of a off to the side thing. Um, when it first started, I was a sleep coach and I did consultations here or there. I did classes here or there. Um, we really sat down to talk about the core values when we were debating if we should go all in on this, you know, have or if we should keep it as a side thing, I guess. And you kind of mentioned this in your description that you know, before you could expand, you had to have written down what, um, what you wanted your culture to be, or what you wanted your activities or your product to be, you know, your services to be based off of that. Um, we were lucky enough, I guess, when we were living in Boise, which is where I'm from, uh, we got to be part of an incubator program put on through Boise state. And so through that program, they actually had us write down our core values um, and kind of walked us through that process. But basically, um, so yeah, we did have like an official sit down and write it out, but um, it kind of led up to that from gaining experience from it being in the beginning and recognizing what we wanted from it. Yeah. Well, that that is truly awesome. And I, and I really love how intentional... Any entrepreneur who makes space for these kinds of things, because often I think, you know, as entrepreneurs, we get we get mired in the details, you know, in the day to day minutiae, like who's going to do the R&D and what reports do I need to see and what does my P&L look like? And all of that is really, really tough. But I think that the entrepreneurs who who move forward with a sense of purpose that only like writing these things down and like coming to mutual agreement on what that looks like and how we're going to live these. I think those are going to be your most successful entrepreneurs because there's a sense mm-hmm. of purpose behind the action and behind what you're doing. Um, and so, so I love that you've done that. You know, one of the ways that you can, you, we're, we're talking about, you know, team and we're talking about values. Well, one of the ways that you can get help if you are trying to, work through all of this stuff and you have a tech product that you want to bring to market, uh, definitely reach out to the full scale team. Today's episode of startup hustle is sponsored by full scale. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And when you have a team of people who are designed to take things off your plate and make your job easier, 
that's when you get to focus on that's what we we talk about being in the business working on the business rather than working in the business you know fullscale.io is going to help you they're going to take things off your plate and allow you to work on the business that you can avoid some of that day-to-day minutia and we just we love them around here at the startup hustle podcast um, for those of you at home who are listening, we are with Jill Bertelson, co-founder of Crib Coaching and Bertelson Education. And right now we are talking about values and Bertelson Education and Crib Coaching. They have organizationally just a really, really strong value system that, that we've been discussing. And Jill, you're so cool. I'm just so happy that we're having this, this conversation. So I'm, I'm going to get tactical with you right now. I'm going to, again, I'm going to put you on the spot because I just keep doing that, but I think you can handle it. But I, for our, our listeners at home, you know, not everybody is going to have that child who won't sleep that then becomes a business, right? Mm-hmm. So, so for those individuals, like what are some ways that they can take away some of the methods that you used and some of the conversations that you had to determine their core values? What, what advice yeah. would you give them? Um, I guess when talking to entrepreneurs, I'd ask why, why this business idea? Like it, why this would help you recognize kind of the belief behind it and why you, you know, versus Susie Joe down the street and yeah. recognizing what their belief is and then also being able to articulate it helps people realize what their core values are, um, whether that's within a business or even personally, when people are identifying what is it that their core value is, is why do you do things the way you do or why do you react to certain things? It's because of the core values that you have. Yeah. So so once upon a time, I, I actually took a value workshop. I cannot for the life of me remember what it was called and believe me I've been trying. But they talk about something they talk about something called ghost values. And I want to I want to talk to you about that a little bit. I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, but ghost values are the values that you don't explicitly state but that you appear to value through action. And so an inter- an example of a bad well, I don't per- I don't personally view it as positive, <laughs> but a a quote unquote bad ghost value would be um, you know, being busy. Um, not not productive, not getting important things done, not getting the things that you need to have done. But there are some organizations that like, if they see you sitting around, you know, not doing anything, then that is, that's what you want. That's what they want. They, mm-hmm. they want you to be busy at all times, not understanding that sometimes people need time to think. And sometimes people need time to rest and reflect in order to bring their best selves to work. And so if you value busyness, without productivity and without valuing the human being like that potentially could be a ghost value. It's something that you organizationally enforce, but you don't explicitly say, Hey, we want you to be busy at all times, every moment of every single day, (laughs) never, ever, ever stop hustling, you know, hashtag go harder. Um, And so so that's an example. So, so can you, what do you think of that? Like, had you ever heard that term before? I'm just curious because I find I think it's yeah. an interesting concept. <laughs> um, I haven't heard the term ghost value before, but I I understand the concept. And let me give you an example, I guess, to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying. You know, if a person, let's just say individually, 
they say that they value um, leadership and they value their family. Um, you know, so they want to kind of climb the corporate ladder, but they also want to be there to support their kids and their soccer activities, let's just say. For and sure. uh, let's say their CEO invites them to drinks on a Thursday night, and but then their son has a soccer game Thursday night. So both of these are their core values. Both of them are right. important to them. You could easily say, oh, well, you know, my son has a soccer game three times a week. It's fine for me to miss. Or you could easily say, oh, I see my coworker, my CEO all the time. You know, this isn't something I need to go to. And I think it's interesting to see personally and within companies when they have two core values that, I don't know if conflict is the right word, but they, you have to then choose between them. Yeah. Like there, there's a different level of priority. Yeah. Priorities. Yeah. yeah, Set around different ones. And, and, and so, and actually I think that you raise an excellent point. Like sometimes you prove your ghost values by what you prioritize time and time again, but sometimes you can state ghost values and they can have equal import. Um, and I, I didn't even think of that. So that, that's a really, that's a really great point because if you are an organization that says we value family and we also value, you know, the team, what happens when two things are in conflict with each other? It's so hard. (laughs) And I think that's where a lot of, um, mom guilt, but I'd also, you know, even if you're not a parent that guilt comes from is because we're like, let's say they go to the soccer game and they're like, oh, well, I feel like I'm letting myself down because I'm not engaging in leadership or they go to the drinks and they're like, oh, I am letting my family down. And like, there's going to be times that we have to deliberately choose to do one value over another and being able to articulate that I am choosing this value over this one for this particular instant helps people just be more confident in themselves as a person, but in their company, you know, knowing that this is a deliberate choice instead of when it just like happens, they're like, yeah, oh, I have to go to the soccer game. By accident. <laughs> yeah. That's where that guilt or that second guessing comes from. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I wanted to, to mention that because like, it, it's really stuck with me ever since I took that workshop. I'm just like, so uh-huh. these are the values that I say that I hold, but where are the values that I show that I hold? Yeah. And I think the most successful organizations and the happiest people are the, the kinds of people in organizations that, that those two things are very close to each other. Mm-hmm. What, what I see and what I say and what I believe are, are in, I, I have value alignment with how I act, right? Yeah. And the things that I do. And so, so I just wanted to mention that. And I, and, and I think that it's very easy to, mm-hmm. to think on that and to identify areas of opportunity. And I would ask all of our, you know, startup founders, entrepreneurs listening at home, like when you are thinking about your core values, think about what you say you value. And then to the, to our our earlier point, you know, what does that look like in action and implementation, but then also think about those ghost values, the things that we're not necessarily going to put it on like the company crest or anything like that, but (laughs) what do we, what else do we value and how can we, how can we underscore that? Or what do we not value and how can we throw that out? Um, so, so yeah, like super cool. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I, we're, we're kind of, I love this conversation. I love thinking about ethics and values and morals um, within companies. And clearly, Brittleson Education, like you have come up with a, a team and an organization that that values those kinds of things. So I want to talk to you a little bit more about the the platform itself, though. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about your company values, but what what do you hope your parents and your daycare providers learn? What principles and core beliefs do you hope that they take away with them? Yeah. Um, I hope they come away feeling a sense of community, a sense of resources. Like, okay, if I have a question, I have this platform, this app that has tons of experts on there that I can ask questions to, or that I can learn from. Um, so I'd say what I hope they get from it is kind of those same three values. I hope they feel that collaboration. I hope that they feel that their needs are being met through uplifting education, um, and being able to come away knowing what, you know, that we living our core values so much that they come away having that as well. Yeah. Very cool. You are, you know, you're, you're a really special kind of entrepreneur. I, I really dig that. Have you always been entrepreneurial? You know, I say, you know, I didn't think I was, but once I got married, um, my husband pointed out like throughout like my family, how many entrepreneurial things, like my grandparents were farmers in the small town outside of Boise called Middleton. And they thought that like emus, you know, like the birds, like ostriches would be um, a really good business to get into. So they bought 200 emus. (laughs) And so I grew up on (laughs) big ass birds. So I grew up as a five-year-old, you know, walking around the emu farm, thinking that was normal and going to um, farmer's markets and trade shows selling feathers and eggs and oil. And you You had entrepreneurism modeled for you from a very early age. Definitely from my grandparents and parents. They definitely taught me how to be innovative and to get out there and learn when I don't understand how to do something. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I love so much about Brittleson education is, and you've mentioned it several times, but you, you've talked about community. And so, mm-hmm. so I, so I used to work for an organization and it's now called Startland. And one of the things that we talked to, they do a lot of work in education, particularly around entrepreneurial education. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that always struck us, like when we would be sitting around talking about how can we reach educators? How can we reach students? How can we like, mm-hmm. you know, promote experiential learning and do all of these things? One of the things that kind of boggled the mind for us was the fact that educators and people who are involved in, in like the business of child care and child learning and development, they don't have business cards. Yeah. And we thought <laughs> we, like us, like coming from the startup world, like thing, and, and you've, you've probably have some insight into both sides of it, but like in the startup world, we're like, here's my card. Here's my card. Let's do coffee. Let's have lunch. Let's network. Let's connect. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of the 
how it's how that works. And so there, there is a very um, quickly built sense of community within startup ecosystems, but I don't necessarily see the same in education. And it's not so much, it's not so much internally. When I say that, what I mean is, you know, our educators yeah. and our child care providers, are they communi- communicating and in community with the outside world beyond what they're doing? And so the fact yeah. that you are connecting parents, students, and, um, you know, the educators and providers and daycare uh, leaders, you're connecting these stakeholders and creating creating a huge sense of community. Have you gotten any feedback on that? Um, you know, I think you you nailed it on the head um, that there is kind of, sometimes there's this gap in it. And to be honest, another reason that we started this business is because we saw these content experts, you know, marriage and family therapists, social workers, elementary educators, you know, those are just some of the people that are our experts that teach for us. And we saw the childcare providers or the parents that needed the information. And then this huge gap, it was like the parents weren't asking the right people for help and the right people who had the information weren't able to market themselves so that parents would listen to them, you know? And I, I think part of my job as an entrepreneur is to connect those two communities together. Um, which I say the number two, but it's a lot more the communities than that. You know, we're looking at childcare and, you know, all these different, but, uh, you know, the saying it takes a village, I really think is huge. Yeah. So do do you ever feel like you kind of have to act as a a translator between these two stakeholders? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, for sure. It's like, you're because so because so, sometimes I do the same like with folks in the in the entrepreneur entrepreneurial community it's like you're kind of saying the same things but you're definitely speaking different languages and so figuring <laughs> out like how to bridge that gap has been has been a really interesting journey for me and I can definitely see uh, that you are you are gifted in that regard like you know clearly there's a need you've grown very quickly um you know you're, you're still a pretty you're a fairly nascent startup um but you know you're in 38 states that's that's impressive as hell jill <laughs> way to go <laughs> um but but clearly you are you are helping to bridge that gap and we are so pr- I, I hope i don't sound um condescending when i say this but we're so proud of you like what you're doing is just oh, so thank cool you. You're setting you're setting up our youth for future success and you're engaging the parents and the educators along the way. And that's so crucial to to a healthy society. Um, so so, I yeah, let's just take a moment to applaud that for sure. And then I, I am going to I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you the human question, Jill. Are you ready? It's coming. I'm ready. And so I have to tell you listeners, like, so I always do a pre-show prep with the guests. Like, this is what we're going to do. And this is how it's going to go. And I always warn about the human question. I'm like, it's a stupid question that has nothing to do with anything. And I ask it because I feel like it. But um, I always give a couple of examples. I'm like, here's an example of a human question that I might ask you. And Jill lit up when I mentioned this one and it was an example question and I was not intending to ask it of her, but I'm going to, because she just looked so happy and she said she knew her, the exact answer. So Jill, 
here it comes. You know it's coming. And I'm going to ask you, if you could have any superpower, what would you have? You know, when you eat a bag of Cheetos and you have that like... That orange dust orange in your fingers? Dust. Okay. Yeah. I'd love that orange dust. My secret superpower would be like to any moment, like move my three fingers together and have Cheeto dust on my fingers so that I could lick it. Number one. That's my secret power. That's like one of the most creative <laughs> superpowers. Like everybody else is like, I want invisibility. And Jill's like, I want Cheeto dust. Now, so, so let me ask you this. Like you love Cheeto dust. Like if you had like a big old bag of Cheeto dust, would you like eat it with a spoon? Would you dip things in it? Like oh, what wow. would, what would be the delivery method? You know, I, I don't know if I've pondered this long enough to give you an answer on that one. I, mean, I just you always could, like throw it on top for spaghetti. Dust. You could, you know, Gross. I don't know. I, it was the first food that popped into my head. All right. Uh, I don't know. You, you could throw it on toast, whatever. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, nope, that's still a drug for Shut up. Just licking it off my fingers. That's all I want. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's been my secret superpower want since I was like 10. You know so. that, wait, wait, wait. You know that candy like fun dip where it's yeah. like, oh, it's so, it's like just straight up sugar, but it has <laughs> those, the, those chalky, nasty ass little dipping sticks. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just imagining your finger, just like a dipping <laughs> stick, like like that, just constantly in and out of a Cheeto dust bag. Like, yeah. You put very, very vivid uh, imagery into my head. So thank you. Yeah. For that. <laughs> uh, well, folks, this has been Jill Bertelson of Bertelson Education talking about values and talking about, you know, how we can empower stakeholder groups around our youth and talking about all and Cheeto dust. We've been talking about Cheeto <laughs> dust. I can't forget that. And emus. But, and emus. And I got to tell you, like, I am going to have to do some more research on emus because I was like, I thought they were the mean birds, but it might be yeah. what I'm thinking of. But uh, at any rate, it has been a lovely, lovely conversation. Thank you so much for joining us, Jill. It, it, I knew that this was going to be a good one, and it was. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you so much. And listeners, I, I want to encourage you to, you know, in addition to listening to the Startup Hustle podcast, keep an eye out for our other channels. I don't know if you've heard, but we do have our very own web series called Startup Hustle TV. If you go to YouTube, you can Google it. No, wait, you can search for it. You can't Google it on YouTube, but you can search for it. There you go. Uh, but you can search for Startup Hustle. We should pop right up. And uh, Startup Hustle TV follows the adventures of your Startup Hustle podcast hosts and some really, really cool community leaders as we build our businesses. And we have a lot of fun. And I personally cuss a lot. So definitely keep an eye out for it. Um, definitely want to mention that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. I am Lauren Conaway, your one of your several co-hosts of the Startup Hustle podcast, and thank you so much for listening. We will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.